on the tee from Australia, Adam Scott. There is Adam Scott. Expect anything different? Brilliant. What an up and down that was. In your life have you seen anything like that? Welcome to the clubhouse. Yeah, g'day everyone and welcome to the clubhouse. Great to have your company this golfing weekend right across Australia. Julian Bayard, Mark Allen with you. Plenty to get through today. US Open wrap. We'll uh, talk about Tiger Woods uh, back in rehab. Mm. Phil Mickelson splits with his caddy. Bones. Plenty to get through. Mark Hi. Allen's here. G'day, Mark. G'day, Jules. How are you? Uh, I'm well. What do you think of the US? I'm asking you first. Mm. I'm asking you as a consumer. As a consumer. It didn't, didn't grab me. Didn't grab you. i got to say it didn't grab me. Now, it didn't grab you because... There was just a bunch of no major type players that everyone on mm-hmm. that leaderboard was going to win their first major, or did it not grab you because of the scoring? It didn't grab me for both of those reasons, Marco. One, the US Open has to be different from every other week of the PGA Tour. I agree with that. And it didn't feel different to me. Yeah. Right? And the other thing, there was no star factor. Other than Ricky Fowler, for me, mm. at the top, I love Ricky Fowler. Yeah. There was no star factor at the top of the leaderboard. There was no competition. There was no... Uh, back and forth. There was no chance of it going to a playoff on the yes. final day. It just, it was just blah. Right. Hang on. So let, let me. The star factor is interesting. Yeah. The star factor is interesting because I think Brooks Kepka mm-hmm. is now a star. Yep. No, oh, that's fair. He's now a star, and he was verging on a star. He, he was one of these players. If he won something like a U.S. Open, would turn into a star overnight, and he's done that. So I think from this moment forward, he becomes a poster boy. Yep. One of mm-hmm. the poster boys mm-hmm. officially. Of the world of golf, but he always had that magic. He always had a bit of something in the background. People gravitate towards him. He looks nice, you know. He looks like a nice bloke. Um, on all accounts, he's a ripper. Mm. Everyone loves the bloke. Mm. Uh, so there was always that in the background. Great hitter of the golf ball. Does a lot of things right. Good story. So yep. he needed to do something like this to become an official star. Yep. Matsuyama. Matsuyama. Where do you see him? Is he a star uh, of golf? I think he's an up-and-coming star of golf. But, he, he, again, the way he plays just doesn't grab me. He was in the same pigeonhole yep. as Brooks yep. before this tournament. Mm-hmm. Harmon. Harmon. No, no not, a, not a star. Tommy Fleetwood. Tommy Fleetwood's interesting. Yep. I can in terms see, of? Well, he was introduced to the world this week. Yep. I mean, we'd seen the name, and if you stay up late and watch European tour events, yep. which – it's great fun, it I've is. got to it's say. It is, it is really good. If you, if you get a good zones. night, yep. I don't mind the commentary, even yeah. though some people don't. But Tommy Fleetwood introduced himself to pretty much the rest of the golfing world. Yep. And I think he could possibly be, maybe. But, yes, he's definitely a no-name mm-hmm. for most. Uh, Billy Haas, not really. Yeah. Ricky Fowler, yes, tick. Tick. A-star. Yep. Charlie Hoffman, yeah. not really. Snedeker, these guys are finishing ninth. Yep. Justin Thomas. Yep. Now he was going to. He's Whoa. won three times this season already. Again, he's, he was in that. He was in the Brooks Kepka and the round. He, and the round he had yeah. was exciting. I've got to say that's exciting golf on Saturday. Yeah. Oh, that was and the, sixty-three. And the, was it the three wood he hit in? Three wood he hit in to not only fifteen but yeah. also eighteen. Yep. He hits that three wood a long way. He's only yep. about five foot eight. Yeah. yeah I reckon he's one hundred and fifty pounds. He, you know, he, he tells everyone he's one hundred and forty-five, but I reckon he'd be one hundred and fifty-five. Mm. Uh, he bombs it. Paddy Reed. How do you see him? He's yeah. a Ryder Cup star. Yeah, he is. He's your real sort of Ryder Cup specialist. Yeah, but down here he's a bit of an annoying character. <laughs> yep. Uh, Siwoo Kim. Nah. Well, he didn't see Kim. So we got, we've, we're we up won to the 16th, mate. We're up to Matt Kuchar, who yeah. is a star. And Matt Kuchar, Steve Stricker, old and guy. Uh, Reevee, Pepperell, Weisberger, yep. Lingmurth, 
Sergio's a star. So yep. Sergio's but down, down 21st. But they're not in the picture, Marco. They're not in the picture at all. So basically, so what, oh, in right. the first 26 20 players, yep. yeah, three, three stars. So what do you think? Yeah, I'm a bit with you. Yeah. I'm a bit with you. When the world number one, two, and three all missed yeah, the cut. It's flattening, isn't it? <laughs> it is flattening. And I don't think there's any reason for that. I think, um, you know, if we... If uh, the people from Champion Data were here, they'd say it was an outlier. And and I tend to agree with that, that, you know, I'm sure if we go through tennis tournaments in the last 10, 20 years, Mm -hmm. there'd be one tournament where the number one, two and three seed, whether it be, well, certainly in the women's, but definitely in the men's at some stage, would have all been rolled out after two rounds. Bundled out, excuse me. Bundled out is the correct term. Make sure Um, you get that right. (laughs) Also, I think that, I think the golf course, mm. it looked like one of those new venture golf courses that is very, very good mm-hmm. and a wonderful place that was probably having uh, up there in Wisconsin, their green fees were probably 200 US or 150 US yeah. to play. And I think they understand the benefit that if they get their 60,000 or 50,000 rounds next year and it goes from $200 to $500 to play, mm-hmm. Then do the sums: fifty thousand times three hundred bucks. They get their money back probably from the P from the USGA that they probably handed over. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the deal is, but they probably did, yeah. because that's not a traditional US Open no. venue. So no. next year we go up to New York and we play. Why is that name escape me? Uh, something with an S. Shinnecock Hills. They go play Shinnecock Hills. Then you've got the traditional ones like Oakmont and, you know, we've also got, uh, not Pine mm-hmm. Valley, the other one is Pinehurst. And Pinehurst has got a little bit of individual, it's got the upside down bowls. So there are some, you know, they can move away from the standard 25-yard wide fairways, bunkers in the rough, long rough around the greens. They can move away with mm-hmm. that, with courses like Shinnecock and, and Pinehurst. Yep. But this one, I think, strayed too far from what we want to see for a U.S. Open, in my view. Was it because of the very, very, very favourable weather conditions on Thursday, Friday, Saturday? I mean, you look at the Sunday scoring, Marco, and it wasn't quite yeah. as good as what we'd seen in the first three days. Well, the weather got a little bit better in the afternoon on Sunday. It did, but with, I think you look at the scoring average yeah. Yeah, over definitely. the three days and compare that to Sunday when the weather was a little bit tougher. Yeah. And we certainly didn't see those ridiculous scores. That yeah, look, I agree with that. And, it, you know, a lot of the time... The way I remember US Opens being played is that you have a couple of choices. You can either try and hit the driver onto that 28-yard wide fairway or you can play a little bit safer with the three-wood. That's the way they used to do it in the old days. And yep. A lot of the time, the guy with the really strong three-wood or yeah. the guy like uh, Hale and who could hit fairway woods like nobody else and would just play safe off the tee and just be a repeater off the tee with a driver or a three-wood, that guy got the job done. Yep. I think this golf course with... Basically, 60 yards to hit within, basically, very yeah. very basically, 60 yards to hit within from fescue to fescue on uh-huh. either side of the fairway. I think it played into the hands of the bomber, Yeah. which, you know, when you look at Brooks Kepka, that is what he is. He hit a 380-yard drive with a three-wood yeah. on the 72nd hole. That was the longest drive of the day. Yep. He bombs the ball. A few things I want to get out of you here. Yeah. You said last, you were scathing on this setup last week. Yeah, I was. Do you agree with it after seeing the tournament? Um, you still, still stand by what you said? Oh, yeah. Look, yeah. any any time you have rough yeah. on either side of the fairway okay. yep. where you cannot find the ball, mm. 
or when you need 10 spotters. Like, did you see how many spotters yeah. were on either <laughs> side? That, that's no good for golf. Yep. That is no good for and golf. Now, it did play easier than I thought it was going to play, yeah. but I think the weather conditions. But in saying this, golf is not designed. So, you know, when you go down the barn boogle, mm. when you go down the barn boogle, there is rough probably 80 yards wide from left to right. But you can't find your ball in there. And they make a special rule down there. You get an Irish drop. So even though it's, there's not a hazard line going down either fairway, mm-hmm. we're kind of breaking the rules of golf because you can't find your ball in the rough. Yeah. So anytime you're playing a golf course where there is rough, where likelihood is you can't find your ball, that should automatically be made a hazard. Yeah. Automatically. Red line around. Absolutely. Look, in future, that's probably going to happen because there'll be, you know, there'll be hazard uh, areas and yes. then there'll be water areas. And yes. The red line will be a hazard area, mm-hmm. uh, and that'll be for things like barn boogle to where yep. if you hit your ball in the long rough, you drop, you know, perfect. But at the moment, we don't have that. No. So barn boogle, if you pl- try to play a tournament there tomorrow, I don't like it if we're going to play by the rules. And the rules say that you, there are no Irish drops. Yeah. And for the same reason, I hate the fact that we had rough to where you couldn't find a golf ball either side of the fairway. Now, it got tidied up a little bit, just a little bit. A little bit. Four holes, if you read right. Yep. Maybe it was a few more, who knows. But rough on either side like that. That is a big thumbs down yep. for any organisation who thinks that's golf. And you also said last week you would hate to see those conditions see a no-name or an undeserving winner yeah. in that tournament. Well, do you I think, think that that happened or do you think he deserved it? No, I think Brooks Kepka and Matsuyama and Harmon and Fleetwood played incredible golf. Mm. They did. Brooks Kepka, what he did in the last day, incredible. I was up early enough to see what he did on the first hole. Par mm. five, he's been pretty favourable and a lot of people have been knocking on him too, day mm. one and two. Uh, not so much favourable wind conditions on day four, where it was pretty much just a straight right to left wind. He fades the ball when he's at his best. Yeah. Uh, and it's a dog leg around to the left, which kind of fades. But So you had this big wind yeah. pushing your ball into the hazard. Um, his second shot, you know, after hitting a, a drive that cut into the wind and only just got over the rough, when I say just, only by about 10 yards, which yeah. is cutting it fine, <laughs> cutting it fine when you're playing in the US Open. Uh, for him to step up with the next shot with all the trouble left and the fader's biggest issue is the double cross and you got a big right to left wind and the ball above your feet, which helps it go left. For him to control that ball and cut it ever so slightly into the wind and for those two shots still to run on the front of the green, yeah. incredible. He left his first putt a long way short. So he'd done all the hard work getting there. And then he still had an eight-footer. Now, in the back of his mind, he'd be thinking, do not stuff this up yeah. at some stage unless he's, <laughs> unless his mind is much stronger than everybody else's. He got over that eight-footer and went whoosh straight in the hole. Mm. His putting performance, and we're all talking about how far he hits the ball, uh, rightly so, by the way. We're also talking about how many greens he hit on the last day, which was 17 of the 18 greens and two par fives and two. So basically, he's hit 19 of 18 greens mm-hmm. when, you, when you count it like that. But his putting performance apart from one three-putt on the 10th hole, which was his only bogey on the day, his putting performance was akin to what US Open champions do. Yep. So he had three birdies in a row on, the back, on that back nine where you know he holds some clutch putts to yep. separate himself from the field. Before the three birdies, he holds a 10-footer mm-hmm. for par. And then after the three birdies, uh, pretty much on the 17th hole, when Harmon had just made a birdie, he had a 10-footer, missed a 10-footer, 15-footer, missed a, missed a 15-footer, had a three-and-a-half-footer coming back. And that went right into the middle. Like it was just perfect. Great. So he's putting genius on the back nine when a first time major US Open was right there for the taking. 
He did not take one backwards. Not one. No, nah, he was good. Not one. I agree. He was good. He was very So the golf he played under pressure. Yep. What do you remarkable. think of his swing? I like his – I think his swing's different. It almost looks for the, to the naked eye mm. that he's hitting a little punch shot with his – like he takes a yeah. three-quarter back swing yeah. almost and then just really drives through the ball. Yeah, he does. Rotation and, There's lots of lag. Yeah. And, you know, some of the best teachers going around, they want a little bit of lag. Yep. Uh, but not as much as Brooks. And you can really see when you do the slow-mo, the club goes back and, the, you know, uh, once he gets the shaft parallel with the ground, the club head is well outside his hands yep. and the club goes up quite steep, which, you know, some of the best players in the world have always done. Mm. But then the shaft reroutes when he lags the club quite a lot, but he's strong enough to where that club reroutes perfectly onto the line and doesn't dip below. And he still comes through with mm. the club very square. The shaft line's very, very square and perfect. But the way he gets onto that is unusual. Yep. When kids do it, um, and a lot of the time because the club is so heavy, when kids and they – one of the reasons why kids play so well early is because they're not strong enough to actually hang on to the club yeah. and, and control the club. And therefore, the club kind of swings them a lot. Um, when the club is swinging a kid – a lot of the time when it reroutes, it goes way underneath and you get way inside and the poor kid hits snap hooks and yeah. almost turns them off the game. But he's big enough and strong enough to where that does not happen. It doesn't even look like happening. Mm. When you slow-mo, it, it just drops onto this perfect plane and doesn't. there's not even a hint of it going underneath. Mm. And that's why he hits his beautiful fade. Um, he's got equipment now that even though he's hitting down on the ball, even with his driver, he'd hit slightly down on the ball, the golf ball doesn't spin like it should. You know, with that, if he had that swing with the old Ballada ball, and mate, he would hit the biggest low rises, yep. and he would spin that ball so <laughs> much with the swing he's got at the moment that it would almost be uncontrollable into the wind. Yep. But today's conditions, today's equipment, today's golf ball, he's he fine. is <laughs> a driving machine yep. to which we don't see too often. Incredible. I love. I I, I genuinely enjoy his swing because it's his yeah. own, and I yeah. I think it's. Good, yeah, no, there's a quite confidence anyway. about him as well, isn't there? Yeah. What, what, did you like? He, you know, the only reason he started playing golf Why? had a car accident. So yeah. he had a car accident as a kid, and he was a his family's a baseball family, mm. and you can see the size of him. Yeah. I mean, he was a big boy. He wants to play, you know, contact sport. Yeah, he was told by the doctor that because you have damaged your sinuses so much in this car accident, you can't play contact sport. So he went to golf. Mm. So if he doesn't have the car accident, probably not. He's probably playing in the minor league somewhere yeah. as a 27 year old. Yeah. Anyway, incredible story. I like what he's done. I liked he, I liked his pathway there. You know, people. If you haven't heard the story, he he um didn't get on a car, didn't get his card over here. Went to the Challenge Tour, tried to get his card in America, in Europe. Went to the missed his card full time. Got on the Challenge Tour, uh, won all over the place in Europe. Um, almost gave up one night when he was leading a tournament. Mm -hmm. Called his manager and says, "I just can't do this anymore." Yeah. In the end, he qualified for a U.S. Open uh, in 2014, uh, same year that he won the Henry Cotton Award for the best first-time player on the European uh -huh. Tour and finished fourth in that 2014. Get, that got him enough money yep. um, to be a U.S. Tour player, mm. and the rest is history. He's, he's been a household – well, he's certainly a household name if you've got a golfing household. Yeah. But now he's a household name, Everywhere. I would say, pretty much in the States. $2.16 million US. Ewies. He collects. $2 million US. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, quickly, it? before you take a break, these Aussies in there, Mark Leishman looked good for a little bit. Had yeah. that famous birdie putt and then 
went yeah. no good and yeah, then went downhill from there. Tied 27th, uh, one under. Yes, that's no good. But the rest of the Aussies missed the cut. No good. So far, so Nick Flanagan missed the cut. Wade Ormsby missed the cut. Jason Day, Day. never looked like it. Ooh. Adam oh Scott, gee, swing the club well before the week was there, but uh, no good. Did not fire. No. You'd love to know. I'd, I'd, yes, I'd love to know what, what was going on. You know, I'd love to know what their yeah. feeling was. I'd love, you know, sometimes you're better off asking the caddies. Yeah, that's, true. that's normally, you know, that's true. in Australia, you normally make a phone call, but you can't over there. Over there. And find out what the story is. But Speaking um, of caddies, Marco. Yes. After the break, Phil Mickelson split with his long, long, long time caddy. Bones. We'll talk about that next. Hey, can you look up Bones' name? Because I don't know him. Old I, mate Bonesy. I, I only know him as Bones. Old mate Bones. Yeah, is, uh, tell, tell me after the break. All right. Tell me after the break. Stick around. We'll find out who Bones is. <laughs> Yeah, welcome back. It is the Clubhouse right around Australia. Julian Bayard, Mark Allen with you. Great to have your company as we talk all things golf. Now, Marco, before the break, we were just talking about caddies. And yes. One of the great splits. Bones. This week. Your 20, man, Bones. 25 years. Just to give you an idea of how long that is mm-hmm. in golfing years, mm-hmm. when Bones first started caddying for Phil Mickelson, Brooks Kepka was two years old. Yeah. <laughs> That's a long time. It's a decent isn't? partnership. Yeah, His name is Jim Mackay. Jim Mackay. Right McKay, on. wherever you're, depending where you're Bones from. Bones picked him up the first week that he, I think, caddied for him either as an amateur or his first week as a pro. So Phil just turned up and. Farmington Golf Course, 25 and, years ago. And almost Bones to the day. Was lurking. I know Bones has had some knee issues too. He's had two knee reconstructions, mm. or okay. he actually might have got two fake knees where they actually do do a real number on him. So I wonder if that was one of the issues. I know he only just came back at the start of this year and yep. basically saw him hobbling. I mean, you can imagine carrying a big bag like that around oh, for so long. Be back would be stuck. He was caddying before he got the fill as well. So he's probably had, look, I'm guessing 30 years on the golf course as a caddy. Yeah, he's probably made a fair bit. Probably going okay. <laughs> probably yeah. going okay. Uh, can I tell you this story, though? When it became clear to Bones yeah. uh, that uh, he was going to have filled the job on Phil's golf bag for a long time, he decided to move closer to Phil. Phil was an Arizona guy, and yeah. so he decided he was going to buy a house in Arizona. That way he could jump on the jets that Phil gets and you know save himself a bit of money. Mm-hmm. So he and his wife were looking for a place to stay uh, close to Phil, and uh, the wives became really good friends. Mm-hmm. So one day they're out there, Bones is helping Phil practice and blah, 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 blah. The two wives uh, whizzing around doing some shopping for the kids, and... Um, Bones's wife said to Phil's wife, uh, hey, just turn left up here and I'll show you the house that uh, looks like we're going to buy. So they went up there and, you know, blah, 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 blah. This is it. Anyway, uh, that was around uh, August. It became uh, the season finished in November. And the players, you know, if you've got a long-time caddy, then the play, the caddies get a Christmas bonus. Right. So it was time for the Christmas bonus. Oh, no. Uh, Don't tell me. Phil Mickelson uh, said, uh, yeah, I'll meet you there tonight. I've got to go Christmas bonus uh, after practice, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so Phil came up. They did their practice, and uh, Phil dived into his Callaway golf bag or whatever bag he was using yeah. at the time and ripped out the keys to the house. Oh, no. So Phil bought Bones <laughs> the house. The house. The house. that they It was their dream house. So I don't think they could actually afford the house that they would have loved to have got. And I think that's what, you know, she, you know, that's what Bones' wife's got, the Phil's wife. Oh, look, this is the one we'd love. Yeah, but, we you know, we're, we're no. probably going to have to go down this way. Mm. Across the tracks. Yeah. 
but Phil went and bought them their dream house. Good so, hope. you know, you hear all these rotten stories about Phil. Yeah. You do hear a lot of bad stuff oh, about yeah, Phil. Oh, yeah, there's plenty. Yeah. You want to know? I've got a few. No, we probably tucked better in my, Tucked in my box. <laughs> you want to know a few. But look, that that is that is one of the good stories. That is one of the good stories yep. about Phil. And clearly, if you are a Mickelson team member, then you're looked after without doubt. I love this story uh, about their relationship whereby he had, when he was caddying for him, mm. one annual veto. One veto. So once per year. Bones. Yep. If Phil wanted to do something on the course and yeah. Bones would advise against it, yeah. once per year, That's it. Phil had to do what Bones said and he got one annual veto. <laughs> well, it wasn't on the 13th of Augusta that year. <laughs> and this is the story, Mark. Yeah, go on. That's on the 13th at Augusta. Oh, you're joking. Yeah. On the final day. Yeah. Bone said, don't hit it between the trees. Lay up. Right. Lay oh, up. I didn't know this. I'm guessing, right? Eh? Right. And, and my old mate Phil said, no, nah, mate, you know, this isn't happening on the veto. And he tried to talk him out of it twice. And uh, So that he tried to use his veto there. Yep. Phil said no. Hit it to within four feet, made Missed the putt. Yeah. Yeah, missed the putt, <laughs> made birdie. But still... Yeah. It changed the tournament. Yep. He went on the win. Yeah, and every time you know when you go to Augusta and you can chasingbirdies.com.au, you with it going next year. When yep. you go to Augusta, they've got a little flag in all those great spots. Yeah, these tiny little flags, yeah. and you can see that shot. And yeah. when you stand behind it and see the gap that he had to hit through, yep. and how close the ball was to the pine tree because he didn't have a follow through, he had to kind of pull pull the follow through up quite a bit. Mm. It's remarkable what he did. Yep, with a six iron. Uh, in a statement this week, Bones said, uh, I do want to say for the record that I did not use my veto this year. I would like to pass it along to Mickelson's interim caddy, his brother, Tim. Right, eh? Um, and then Mickelson, in his statement back, said the veto was non-transferable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's very good. So uh, I think so, the, the splitting has been pretty amicable. Yeah, right. Eh? So, that, yeah, well, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if, it is got, if it does have something to do with the knees. Like I said, two... They weren't knee reconstructions. I think they're two new knees that uh, Bones got. That's the way I read it anyway. How many caddies do you go through? Oh, a dozen. Yeah. A dozen. I would have had a dozen full-time. But I would, you know, along the way, because, you know, when, when you're playing in the secondary tours, mm. you don't make much money. So for all the good caddies, they don't want a caddy for you if you're not making much cash. Yeah. As would That's, make sense. Absolutely. So a lot of the time, you know, you, you're picking up a caddy. So you drive on Monday, yeah. you go through the gates. Um, and they'd be watching. Yeah, you, if, you're carry, if you're carrying your own bag, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, yeah, you get kids running up to you and you kind of just pick a kid and hope for the best. So that happens a yeah. lot. You play in Asia a lot of the time. The golf course has caddies that caddy full time and mm-hmm. you, you pick some of those guys. And some of them are girls. You know, I, I played on this little circuit called the China Tour before China got big enough to go onto the European Tour. So the China Open and they had all these smaller, you know, like Vic Opens and yep. their, their equivalent Vic Open, New South Wales, all, all the equivalent. Um, you know, Shenzhen Open mm-hmm. and all this sort of stuff. Um, you'd, you, they had a little China tour, and every golf course you went to, you had, they only had women caddies. Yeah. So you, you know, you picked up the, the little women, uh, little girl caddy along the way, and the way you go, she puts the bag on this big buggy and drags it around for you, and makes everything. You know, they, and they they were great. So a lot of the time, when you're battling, that's what you get. Yeah. But for the big guys, it's one of the great lessons uh, that uh, Mike Clayton taught me. And he, he was one of the guys who said, well, you got to have a caddy. Hmm. So for a, lot, for a lot of my career when I was playing half decent, and that was a very small, very small period <laughs> of time. Um, That's so self-short, mate. Uh, then, yeah, I, I, I had a full-time caddy, and, it, you know, it was fantastic. I probably had six or seven of them. Probably yeah. a dozen, you know, that I could rely on.
through yep. the period. Um, I've never played once with a caddy. You've in, never oh. in Bali. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. What do you think? Oh, it was brilliant. Yeah, it is brilliant. It is brilliant. <laughs> Gave you all the local reads and local yeah. knowledge, and yeah. there's a couple of parts yeah. that I was lining up and looking at going. Oh, yeah. This is a you know they're starting to come big right, back. big right to left. They're starting to come back. But she time. she said to me, no, 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 no. <laughs> get it over there, and I was yeah. like, that's wrong. And I followed the advice because I thought yeah. this would be right and right, and it was perfect. Yeah, you no, go. They're good. They're good. They understand. It's amazing how much better your golf could be, especially in Bali. They understand the. Uh, grain. Yes. Oh, the, the grain. grain's very important. If you don't understand the grain, then you are cooked. Yep. Over there and bright. Over there. Which one? Oh, yeah, there's one uh, that with the poster. It's a beautiful looking picture with the par three on the water. That's yes. the one that I kind of want to play. Yes. Uh, it was in New Kuta, the one I played. Wasn't? Yeah. We played a tournament once in Bali. I don't, I've only been to Bali twice. Last year, went to the Yungasan. Unbelievable place on the cliff tops. Yep. Incredible. Mm-hmm. And the only other time I was been there, we played a tournament there. Have a listen to this story. Nick Feldo was leading this Barwanese tournament, and he was leading by about eight shots. Craig Perry uh, on the Sunday called for a ruling, and the, the ruling was he wanted to take a stone out of the bunker. Yeah. And Trevor Hurden, who's now uh, runs the Golf Australia tournament, uh, he's the tournament director on Golf Australia. He used to be the toughest bloke he'd ever meet and would not mess around. Mm. He said, oh, what are you talking about? He can't take stones. He's a European tour, he can take stones. Yeah, but not here. He goes, oh, I was playing with Feldo yesterday and he took a stone. Oh, out. no, he's dubbed him in. And Trev's gone, what? He goes, oh, yeah, no. he took a stone out and let's say it was the 13th hole. He took a stone out in the 13th hole. So Trevor got in his cart, drives around to the last group, thousands of people watching, oh, no. Feldo leading by eight shots. Oh, no. Feldo puts out on like about the fourth or fifth hole. He walking to the next tee to the sixth, and Trevor said, "Hey, listen, Nick, I've got to ask you a question. Did you yesterday on the thirteenth hole remove a stone from a bunker?" And Nick looked at him and said, "Oh yeah, 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 I did. Yep. Yes. I'm sorry, but you're disqualified. <laughs> go on, go on, pass." And he got disqualified <laughs> from that event. I'll never forget it oh, as no. long as I live. Craig Barry. So I don't know what got. I remember the golf course who had a tee on the water. Yeah, we, we, I didn't leave the didn't leave the place we were yeah. staying all week. I can't remember what it was called, but it was magnificent. It's yeah, no, no, no I think we all know it. I think we yeah. all know it. No, 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 no. I don't, nah, I've no only been there twice. Yeah. I, I won't claim. I'll, I know what I'll I'm look it up in the ad break. And we'll tell you what it was. Anyway, we're going to get to a break. I want to talk Good. a few things with you after this. Uh, Rory McIlroy versus Australian golfing. I don't know if you'd say legend. Oh yeah, <laughs> need to talk about <laughs> elk. Old elk, mate. Does he make a goose of himself? What's he doing, Elk? Does this man make a goose of himself when so he's we'll on talk the about that. beers on a Sunday yeah. night? Unbelievable. He's the tweetalizer. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> well, if, you have, if you don't know what we're talking about, yeah. we'll hang around. About it after this. And hang uh, around, because this is ridiculous what he's doing, this and man. And Tiger Woods' statement, too, about uh, in rehab. We'll yeah, talk about yeah, that. Yeah. Plenty more to come. This is The Clubhouse. Stick around. In your life, have you seen anything like that? You're listening to The Clubhouse. Welcome back. Yeah, this is the Clubhouse right around Australia. Julian Bayard and Mark Allen with you. Uh, Mark, a new Cooter golf course was the one I'd play. Right Sensational. Very nice. Yeah, right yeah. It's nice. It's good. Now, a uh, couple of things. Yeah. Your mate, Steve Elkington. Stevie. Now, what he's done. Yeah, he's, read, it, read it out. He's tweeted. Read it, out, read it out. Rory is so bored playing golf. Without Tiger, the threshold is probably, probably yeah. four majors with $100 million in the bank. Right. Then, on the plane... Using his Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. Rory has fired back. Yes, at Elk PGA, more like two hundred million. Not mm. bad for a bored twenty-eight-year-old. Plenty more where that came from. 
and he screenshotted yeah. his Wikipedia page yes. with every tournament and yeah. award and prize money that he's won. It was beautiful. Oh, how good. It was good. <laughs> but it, it didn't finish there. No. Because the elf, elf came back. came back. Knew you were a money guy. Jack won 18 and never mentioned his total cash. It was $5 million. How did he spell new? N-E-W. N-E-W, where Rory then fired back. That's why Jack designed hundreds of golf courses, and it's new with a K-N-E-W. Mustn't have taught grammar in the 50s. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Game, set, match. Six Game, love, yeah. six love, bang, six bang, love. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> Poor old Elk. What is he doing? Come on, Elk. <laughs> what are you doing? If you're going to... Well, if you're ever going to fire somebody, if you're going to fire a shot on Twitter, yep. the spelling better be right. Oh, you got to do Otherwise, spelling Otherwise, you right. look like an A-class moron. Yep. So in both of his tweets, he's made a spelling error. Like, yeah. He's tried to shorten probably, yeah. and not to probs, yeah. which most people do. Yeah. He's gone prolly. Prolly. P-R-O-L-L-Y. <laughs> so, but he, look, he's got, he's, got, he's got history on Twitter. Mm. So I'm not sitting next to him when he tweets. But I'm almost, I'd almost guarantee that there'd be a Jack Daniels and Coke oh, yeah. right there. Mm-hmm. Jack Daniels, JD and Coke right next to him when he's watching the telly, you know, there in Houston um, and just firing tweets off trying to be funny. <laughs> because, it, look, there was a point when he was tweeting away and he was almost a respected voice uh. and he had an interesting point of view and I didn't mind what he was doing. But then he started having a go at, you know, he just stepped over the line way, yeah. way too many times, mm-hmm. Steve. And, you know, to do this sort of stuff now, call a Rory a money man and he looks like, how would you know? How, how would you know? Yeah. I mean, if he sent out, if he, if he sent out a tweet, love Rory playing golf, but would much rather watch him trying to beat Tiger Woods. Yeah. Then, then we get it. No worries. Don't call him bored. What yeah. are you doing? Anyway, <laughs> Rory fired back. bad career, Elkin. You're just looking at it. Oh, mate. He won One ninety ninety five PGA. Tied third, 93 Masters. Yeah. Won the 2002 Open Championship. Yeah. Well, uh, no. Got into the playoff. Sorry, tied for second, I should say. Yeah, the 2002 the yep. Open Championship. Yeah. Not a bad career. Yeah, I think he won two players' championships, didn't he? Yeah. He might have won one or two. Did he win two? Mm. Or did the Shark? <laughs> Elkington certainly won a players' championship. Yeah. Maybe two. I'll Don't find know. that out. Don't yeah. know. But, uh, oh, mate, he, he had one of the great... He had one of the great CVs you'd ever see as an Australian he golfer. Did. Won the Australian Open in 1992 at the Lakes. That's right. 1992 at the Lakes, he, he absolutely, you know, was in, he was in a bit of a showdown with the old Peter McWinnie yeah. back in those days. And I reckon uh, Raymond Floyd might have finished sixth and Mark Allen might have finished fifth. That oh, That's a different story. That's a third person. That's a different story. That's a different story. But no, it's, uh, it's Steve Elkington, mate. He was a, he was a jet. He was an absolute jet with probably the sweetest swing that golf had seen there for a little while. Mm. A beautiful swing, but come on, Elk. He loves be firing those sorts of shots off. He loves tweeting. Not happy with that. With the JD and Coke next to him, yep. it seems mm. there's no there's no excuse for it. No. Anyway, but I'm Absolutely glad. Not. I'm glad Rosa winning. Winning. Yep. I'm glad Rosa took him down. He did. Absolutely took him down. Now Tiger Woods. Uh, got to get to this. Yes. Uh, was put out a statement on Twitter this week. Yeah. I'm currently receiving professional help to manage my medications and the ways that I deal with back pain and a mm. sleep disorder. Mm. I want to thank everyone for the amazing outpouring of support and understanding, especially the fans and players on tour. Yeah. Well, if look, if you read uh, Hank Haney's book, uh, The Big Miss, it does talk about Tiger having insomnia. A lot of his workouts are in the middle of the night. Yeah. So uh, the sleeping pills sort of stuff, 
doesn't surprise anybody because yeah. he has had a lot of trouble sleeping. He's been taking a lot of painkillers. That's really well documented. So the painkillers and the sleep stuff. So you can imagine, apparently, and I don't know, but you know, I remember our Australian swimmers were in trouble there for a little right. while for taking the sleeping pills. And if you can beat the sleep, yeah, gives you, um, high. gives you some kind of a high. So yeah. you can imagine if he's taking sleeping pills to sleep, mm. he's also on painkillers for his back and getting behind and the, the car. Back pain doesn't allow him to sleep. And you beat the pill and you've got a painkiller and a pill at 2 o'clock in the morning. I mean, no your, your head might get frazzled a little bit, I would have thought. Not good. Uh, and and if, if it's a big enough problem to where he's telling people that he has a dependency mm. on both the painkiller and more than likely the sleeping pill stuff that he probably needs to take to get any kind of sleep, yeah. uh, it'd be a pretty messy state to be in, to live in. Uh, I did notice where in Jupiter... He took the entire top floor, which was the male um, part of the <laughs> clinic. So yeah. if you're doing it tough in Jupiter at the moment and yeah. needed a place to go and look after yourself, unfortunately, <laughs> you've got to go to the next county. You've got to find another place. You've got to find somewhere else because Tiger's moved in for a while. A little bit selfish. He didn't put any spelling mistakes in his own statement. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I reckon <laughs> that would have been proofread yeah. by... Maybe a couple of people. By Tiger Inc., would have looked after that one for sure. Anyway, we wish him well. We do. We, we, everyone wishes him well. And look, you know, when you saw, when you saw the uh, the police car vision of him, mm, he was pretty messy. Yeah. But no good. Car smashed up. Anyway, we wish him well. Good luck. We what else can back. you say? Hope we see him back. What else can you say? Masterclass coming up. Masterclass is up next. Uh, what do you got for us? Um, I'll do something on the back of the US Open. Okay. Let me have a think about it in the break and I'll, I'll get back. Stick around. This is the Clubhouse. Julian Bayard, Mark Allen with you. If you have missed any of any show, you can always podcast it. Just search for the Clubhouse Golf Show on iTunes and you can find us and subscribe and download the show every week. We'll be back. Masterclass right after the break. Marco's Masterclass. Yeah, time to get a free golf lesson from Mark Allen. Hey, with Jules, you. Yes. just before we do, okay. uh, I've got to say well done to Golf Australia and all the young fellas who qualified yes. for the Amateur Championship. Now, this is big news earlier in the week, led by Harrison Endicott, who did well. We've got eight Australians who have qualified for the match play. So a number of them mm. try to, you know, try to qualify for it. But this is, you know, once upon a time was considered a major. Yep. You know, Poppy Jones who was in one of his, uh, in his... Um, uh, Grand Slam, but Harrison Endicott uh, was one of the boys. Let me just scroll down here a little bit. We also had Zach Murray from Victoria, Ben Ferguson, uh, Dylan Perry from New South Wales, uh, David Michaeluzzi from Charlestown, mm-hmm. uh, Blake Windred uh, did it the hard way as well. Uh, and um, those 13 matches, they started last week, which is great. A few of the guys didn't, you know, along the way, there was quite a few playing. So um, I reckon we might have had 20 playing and had eight qualify, Terrific. which is just outstanding and a massive tick yep. uh, for what Golf Australia are doing. Absolutely. Good signs. Yeah, great signs. Good signs. Absolutely. Right, time for your masterclass. We do it all for yeah. Club Mandalay Golf Course. Hit the golf course, play golf at Club Mandalay, all with your mates. Uh, book online at clubmandalay.com.au and you can save 10% off your round using the code CMGOLF. Interesting watching all the players this week with US Open pressure in the background of pretty much every shot on that last day. Mm-hmm. The one thing that really stood out to me in all their pre-shots, and I'm talking all their pre-shots, was the little pause at the top in the practice swing. Now, this is very, very important because when you are under pressure, uh, if the hips go early and leave everything behind, 
then you are cooked. You are playing catch-up with your golf swing, and you can't play catch-up with your golf swing under that sort of heat. Mm-hmm. So it seemed like, you know, when I'm watching going through, Matsuyama, the practice swing he does, big pause, then come down. When I say big pause, you know, just counter beat. One, pause, two. Bang. Down you go. Um, Brooks Kepka, massive pause. Fleetwood. Big pause in the play. It's just one after another after another. Now, this is one, when you're planning on pausing at the top, you slow your swing down. Mm-hmm. And two, the pause at the top actually gets everything moving together mm-hmm. as well. So if you are the sort of person who, under pressure, uh, doesn't seem to hit the ball as well as you would like, which is most people, just have a look what all these guys were doing, and the girls do it as well. You know, when you watch, next time you watch the girls, watch what they do in their practice swings also. So one, the pause at the top of the swing in your practice swing, you've got to go slow to achieve it. If you're going really fast and pause, it just doesn't feel right. But two, it syncs everything up when you're coming down. You know, the hip should still fire slightly yep. first mm-hmm. before everything else. But if it if you're out of control, if you have a feeling where you are out of control on the pressure, or you know a lot of people that get their round going and they get off to a great start, and then the expectation, and before they know it, they're out of control. For those types of players, try it in your practice swing before you play. A slight pause at the top in your practice swing, then try and replicate when you're actually playing the game. There you go. That's easy. Easy. That's one peasy. everyone can do. You can sync it up, and it slows your swing down. It Two does. great things. Love it. Hit the golf course, play golf at Club Mandalay. Visit clubmandalay.com.au. Marco, it's been great. Next week, mm-hmm. starting to get cold, starting yes. to get wet. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not playing. One, you're not going to be seen I'm, on a golf course. No, no way. And two, people who are going to be out there playing, we'll help we want to help them out. Yeah, we'll help so them So next out. week, we'll get to that. No worries. Hopefully, some of our boys in the Amateur Championship yes. are still going next week. Maybe we've got a great story to tell next Sunday. Looking forward to it. We'll see you then. Good on you, buddy.